thank you if we give God praise and glory, if you love him this morning, if he's been good to you, if, if he's made a way out of no way, if he's opened a door for you, this is your opportunity just to, just to tell him that you recognize that it wasn't you, but it was all him. It was all him. He did it all by himself. Come on, come on, come on. Tell the Lord, thank you. Tell the Lord, thank you. I give you all the praise, God. I give you all the praise. I give you all the praise. Amen, amen, amen. Praise, it, praise God. You may be seated, brothers and sisters. Uh, govern yourself accordingly this, this week as we prepare to celebrate Elder Melton on this coming Saturday. Thank God for him and his life, his, his patience and his faithfulness to the people of God. We had uh, lunch yesterday, uh, and Elder Melton was, was there. And, and any time that you get a chance to just talk to Elder Melton, you should just pull him aside and just let him speak into your life. And uh, he was just talking to me yesterday about, he says, and he says, Pastor, I just love the church of God. I just love being in the church. He says, since I was a little boy, I just love being in the church. He says, it refreshes you. He says, after a long day's week, long week, and you've gone through all of the trials and tri tribulations, he says, just being in the house of the Lord, just refreshes your soul. I said, you know what, Elder Melton? You are telling the truth. You are telling the truth, right? And and uh, so I thank God for that for that wisdom that is in our midst. And so it's our opportunity to celebrate him and to thank God for his uh, his love and his affection for us. Um, Elder Melton is, I, I believe he still is the oldest member of our church, but you never could tell by Elder Melton's faithfulness. Uh, if I need a volunteer for anything, Elder Melton is the first one to raise his hand. In fact, Elder Melton yesterday, this is what he said to me. Uh, get your communions out because I'm gonna I'm I'm get to that right now. Um, Elder Melton said to me yesterday, is he here? There, there he is. Elder Melton said to me yesterday, Elder Melton said, my car's not working, Pastor. Something's wrong with my car. And we were talking about the car. He says, and under his breath he says, I got to get my car fixed, man. You know why he said that? He says, I got to get to church. He says, I don't know, Pastor, you have to come in and check this thing out because I got to get my, I can't be missing church. He says, I got to get my, get my car fixed. And I was like, Lord have mercy. I, I got I to gotta keep my car fixed so I can get to church. Brothers and sisters, it's our, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity that, that you have. And, uh, and while we were away for whatever period of month or over a year, whatever, whatever it's been, um, our souls have been thirsty for the fellowship of the saints. Um, whether your body and your flesh has or not, your soul, your, soul, your, your connection to God has been yearning to get back to the house of the Lord. Um, let us worship the Lord. Somebody say together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the Bible says, that we should worship the Lord together. And, uh, you know, on the off Sundays where we're doing recording, you know, my wife, I, I got to give her praise. My wife acts just like she's coming to church. She, she gets her clothes on. She does her hair. Most days, most Sundays. She gets her computer, 
she sits down at her, her desk or at the kitchen table, and she's serious as a heart attack. Right? She's ready to go. At, at 10.50, she's ready to go. I'm sometimes pulling the iPad up in my bed, just pulling, pulling the sheets back. Anybody do that, like watch the service in bed, you know? Um, that's why we need to get back in church. <laughs> that's right, because we're watching the service, praising the Lord in the, in the bed. Amen. Hey, man, hey, brothers and sisters, stand to your feet. Um, I'm going to give you this word, but I'd like to, to share with you. Is there any first-time visitors here this morning? Would you raise your hand if you're first, uh, first time here this morning? Oh, praise God. Amen. Hey, Tone, God bless you, man. What's up? Hey, what's your name, young man? I know I ain't going to be able to catch you with your mask on, but Joseph, nice to meet you, Joseph. It's a pleasure to meet you. Um, if you, you must be a friend of my nephew. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. All right. Would you get your communion out this morning, brothers and sisters? This is an opportunity for us uh, to come together and to reflect that we are one. Just tell your neighbor we're one with your crazy self. I got to accept you with your crazy self, you know. got a treat for y'all on next Sunday we're in service which is that the third of October the brothers should have a treat for y'all on the third I've already hooked y'all into it I didn't talk talk to the, the powers that be Elder Dante and uh, all y'all so so y'all in uh, on uh, Rodney brother Sam y'all in y'all in on the third of October grab your bread brothers and sisters the Lord, when he called the, called the disciples together, he wanted them to make sure that they understand that through him, they would all be connected to the kingdom of God and to the riches of heaven. And every time he says, as often as you do this, I want you to understand and recognize that wherever you are in life, it is not you that have got you there. That it's because of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we should always remember that we owe God everything, that all to him that we owe. That sin, Teresa, left a crimson stain, but his blood washed us white as snow. Raise your hand if you're thanking God this morning for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That what people see in you now and they admire and they respect is not you, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit that rise, rise, resides in you. Hallelujah. Somebody honest said hallelujah. Bless you, mother. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is the blood of the Lord Jesus. Take your bread. Father, bless now the, the body, the bread that you've given us for sustenance in our souls that allows us to grow and to have grace to carry on. We pray, oh God, that you would bless these who would receive the bread, that you would do an amazing work in their lives. Show yourself strong and mighty at our obedience to the bread. In Jesus' name we pray. Brothers and sisters, take, eat. This is the Lord's body. Then he took the cup. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. 
Jesus, I will never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. Then somebody in the church should just yell out and say, how can I forget? Oh, God, how can I forget what you've done for me? How can I forget how you set me free? How can I forget how you brought me out? Jesus. Oh, somebody in the church should yell out, Jesus. Oh, you're in his house right now. Somebody should yell out, Jesus. Oh, I'll never forget. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love toward us. That when, while you could have selfishly come down, you stayed there to ransom my soul. Woo! 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 I thank you for freeing me of my sins, which were many. Oh, thank you, Father. Yeah. Jesus. Brothers and sisters, take ye drink, all of it. As you take your seat, just say, I was a mess. I, I know, I know, I know I was a mess. I was a, I was a mess. I was a, I was a mess. I was a mess. I was a mess. He saved me. He saved me. He saved me. He saved me. We don't have, we don't have services like that no more. But every now and then you ought to just have a hallelujah say, he saved me. He saved me. He saved me. He saved me, 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 he saved me. Yeah, 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 he saved me, 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 he saved me. All right, all right, sit down, y'all can sit down. He saved me. He saved me. God, I love you. God, I love you. Yes, Lord Jesus. Oh. To God. Listen, go with me in your Bibles. Hey, look, I ordered a Hammond B3 organ for the church. Um, anybody ever heard an organ sound before? JJ told me he wanted it, and... Uh, I think the Roberts said he could play it. Um, and so I ordered it. Uh, it should be here in a couple of weeks. Um, and uh, I just, I feel like every now and then we're just going to need a dance. All right, all right. Genesis chapter number 32, verses 24 to 30. I don't know why I told y'all to stand, sit down because y'all got to stand back up. Genesis chapter number 32, verse 24, 30. What I'd like for you to do in particular, I'm not going to try to holler Lynn this morning. Um, I'm going to try to give you what I believe God has told me to give you that I believe will absolutely uh, 100% revolutionize how you walk and what you get out of life. That's my promise. My promise is if, if this becomes the activation of your word and you begin to put this these in practice, these understandings in practice, 
what the Lord has said to me is that you will absolutely revolutionize the way you do life. And it will leave such a train that people will be able to see unmistakably how God is working in your life. Did you hear that, Rob? So I don't want I don't I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. All right, Genesis chapter number thirty-two, verse twenty-four and thirty. Uh, read this with me. Ready? Read. So Jacob was what? Keep going. Keep going. I want to talk to you. This is part three of a sermon that I've started called What's Going On. And I want you to pay attention today. If you if you got a chance to watch last week, which was I and Tulip, because what I talked about that, that, that there are three awarenesses that you need to have in your life in order to function in God's kingdom. You have to have an awareness of God. You have to have an awareness of yourself and you have to have an awareness of others. And it's so important because God strategically placed these things in, in, in your life so that you can grow thereby. And if you're a child of God and you're struggling in your life in any way, shape, or form, I can guarantee you it is, it is going to fall within one of these categories. It is your unawareness of God. It is your unawareness of self. And it is your unawareness of others. And so we, we are misappropriating why God has placed things in our lives. And so when, when people come into your life and you think that they're in trouble, God has called them to be the, the launching pin to take you to your next place. And so you're running away from God's gifts to you because they get on your nerves. But, but how many know that Hannah only received Samuel when Paniah was put into her life? The Bible said Paniah vexed her sore. That it caused her to go to the cross, to the to the altar, and she wept bitterly. And as a result of that, that that paniah vexing her, the Bible said teasing her. So you you wouldn't walk around and stare around anybody who's teasing you. Your your word is, I only deal with people who celebrate me. That's what that's what the new thing is. I only hang around people who celebrate me. Well, not everybody who celebrates you is a, is a gift from God for you. Sometimes your worst enemies are God's gifts to you because they become the, 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 the bouncing pad that God uses. And you're running from the blessings of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light into our path. Your word will we hide in our hearts that we may not sin against you. Bless your word. 
glorify yourself in your word. Edify your people and horrify the devil. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. And God's people said together, amen. You may be seated. All right, let me give you this first, this, this, this class. I talked last week about God awareness. Let me help you understand this, brothers and sisters. You will not understand or be aware of yourself or be aware of other people unless you are aware of God. Say amen. You don't have to believe it yet. I'm going to prove real quick. You won't be able to know who you are until you understand and recognize who God is. Remember where Jesus was uh, coming into the earth the three years before he, he um, was crucified. He, he, he simply told Matthew, Peter, John, follow me. They weren't changed. They weren't rescued. They weren't uh, saved. They were just disciples who God was trying to say, follow me so that you know my voice. So you get in the habit of understanding how I move. Because you will not understand who you are or understand what anything is unless you understand the origin from where it comes from. Did you get that? I do not know how to effectively put this in place unless I understand who made it and for what purpose. If I try to ride this or put, it, put my keys in it and let it take me home, it will not accomplish it. And I will be frustrated at it because I have named it a car when in fact it's a monitor. Because the person who made it, the one whose origin of it said, if you, if you know who I am, and know what I do, you will put the thing I put in practice to work best for you. But if you don't know God, it is impossible for you to know yourself because then you're just waiting for something else to determine or to give you a label to give you identity. For example, many of us say we are black, but you are not black. Your body is black. I messed up a whole lot of other people. You, you call yourself a black person, but you're not a black. Black was a definition not given by God, given by people that you have attached yourself to. But the only thing that you really need to know is who made you and what does he call you? Right, okay, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you this because y'all didn't get it. For all y'all black people, once someone has given you, once you've given someone the power to define you, what happens is you might like what they define you by first. But once you have given them that power, they then call you something else, and then you're mad. So you really have to understand God before I start to come to understand myself. Okay? If I don't, if I don't understand who God is, Bible, uh, Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 6 says, that, that faith cometh by hearing him by the word of God. Uh, he says, um, he that cometh to God must first believe that he what? Is. You cannot get anything from God. Don't start diligently seeking him. Don't start asking God for stuff. The first thing you got to understand who he is. And then he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Right? Get that. You got to know who he is. All right. So that was last week. So if y'all missed that, go back and watch. Here's the question for today. Are you self-aware? Don't, don't answer yes. Are you, do you know yourself? Are you your authentic self? 
are you walking in your authentic self? That's the word. That's the question for today. Are you your authentic self? It, it, is a, it is the buzzword, the buzz phrase of the society in which we live in that I know me. I'm walking in my me. I got my truth. Right? That's what everybody says. I'm walking in my truth. Because, you, because it is important for you to understand your authentic self. Self-awareness has become the latest buzzword in our society for good reason. Research suggests now that when we understand clearly who we are, we are more confident and more creative. We are more sounder in our decisions, build stronger relationships, and communicate more effectively. We're less likely to lie, less likely to cheat, less likely to steal, when we are and we are better workers, better leaders, better husbands, better fathers, better mothers, better, better, better daughters, better sons, when we are self-aware. Now, now, generally speaking, um, when you hear the phrase, are you self-aware, you go to, I know me. Right? How many here have allergies? Right? You have allergies. So you'll, you'll say, somebody drops something into you, you go like, I can't eat that. Why? Because you say, I know me. I know it may look good, it may smell good, but I know what happens when it comes into my life because I know me. And you, you got people who say, uh, for example, I don't like certain foods. And whenever I say that to people, they'll say to me, like, you never had it the way I cook it. Right? You, you got to eat it from me. And I go like, no, no, I know me. I don't like it. I don't like the texture of it. I don't like the smell of it. I don't like anything about it. So, so you think that that determines, that, that is the decision making of how you know yourself. I want to suggest to you that's not really you. That's the external nature of you. That may be the attitudes or the personality of you, but that's not really who you are. I want to show you who you really are. I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, that you and I struggle with self-awareness. Most days, we're operating from the standpoint of our brokenness. Think of all of the things in, in your mind that you dream about, that you want to aspire to be. Think of all of the, the tasks that you're thinking, I should do this, I should go there, I should be this, I should open up my own business, I should go here, I should, all of those dreams that you ultimately talk yourself out of. How many times have you talked yourself out of the thing that was in your mind? I can do that. I can go there. I can, no. I can't do that. We are, we are talking ourselves out of the thing that is in our own minds because, of we, because we are broken. We are scared. We are worried, we deal with insecurity, only because we are broken. The only reason why, Teresa, you are indecisive, that you go like, I'm going to go, yeah, no, no, I'm not going to go. Yeah, well, yeah, I should go. Um, and you're just going through that on, in your mind is because you're broken. You're dealing with the brokenness of you. And if you can get through the brokenness, you will discover that you will be able to have your mind go in a straight line 
much more often. How many would love to just go after the things that you dream about without fear or reservation or fault or second guessing yourself all the time? How many would like to say, I have a goal in mind and my, my, my total focus is to go after that goal? And I want to help you get there. Here's the struggle that, that you and I have. 95% of the people in the world think that they are self-aware. However, studies show that only about 10 to 15% of us are. I don't know if this happens today because I, it's been a while since I've been uh, dealing with stuff, but, but anybody remember uh, PCs that used to get viruses in them? You, when we, I, don't, I deal with Mac products now, so I don't, I don't know about the, the viruses that y'all get anymore. But, so I don't know if y'all still get them or not. But, but when I used to use PCs, uh, they would get this virus in them every now and then. And, and what happens was uh, the way that we used to deal with viruses before, like, you know, spamware or whatever else you guys use now to deal with them, what we would have is this thing called restoring your computer. It was, you could restore your computer. There were two options available to you when you, when you went to restore or to reset your computer. I got Teresa over there, so I'm going to be real, real uh, careful. You had two ways to do it. You could, you could restore it back to factory settings. Back to the, back to the place where it was when you first purchased it. Or you could restore it back to a time stamp. Anybody remember that? Do y'all still have that? I don't even know y'all still have that. You could restore it back to a time that you thought was before the virus came into your system. Two ways you could, you could restore it. I want to suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that in order for you to know yourself, you have to learn how to restore. You have to learn how to reset. But I want to share with you that most of us choose to reset back to a timestamp, not back to factory settings. So because the problem, remember, the problem was restoring back to factory settings was that you lose what? You lose all of the stuff that you want to save. You, you lose all of the stuff that you've, you've done work on. And you, and you didn't want to go back because you didn't want to go back to the original setting because you were afraid that you were going to miss something that you wanted. And I, and I dare say, say today, brothers and sisters, those of us who are saved, those of us who have allowed God to come in our lives, we haven't allowed him to reset us back to factory settings. We've allowed him to reset us back to a certain time stamp. Because there's a part of you that you still like. You still like to remind people you from the streets. Don't play with me. Because I ain't always been saved. I still got stuff in me. This is after you got saved. You, you, you told God, now God, I don't mind you taking me forward. But, but, but God, I'm not trying to be restored back to factory settings. Restore me back to the place before I felt this hurt and trauma. Because you think that the viruses, you were able to be able to tell God when they happen. But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, you never knew when the virus first came into your life. And unless you allow God to restore you back to factory settings, 
you're going to always have viruses in your life that pull you back anytime it wants to. Let me, let me go forward because you, you, you didn't get that. The catch for most people is that factory settings brings you back to a place where only God knows you. That God gets to stamp his approval on your life. Let me, let me share this with you for you Bible scholars, scholars. Do you know when you get saved, God's intention is to rebirth or to bring back the life that you were in creation, right? The, the life that you were in God in creation. That's what he, that's what he brings back. That's, that's salvation. God is not trying to save your nasty attitude. See, people think that God is trying to save you now. No, God is not trying to save you and let you bring all of that trap, all of that crap with you. When God saves you, you have to choose to bring that crap back with you. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 7 says, If any man be in Christ, he's what? New creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are eligible to become new. Now, what, what, what happens is, oftentimes, we tell God, I don't mind you allowing me to go to heaven. I just don't want to lose my attitude. I still want to keep my foul attitude. I still want to keep my personality. But that personality has not come from God. You learned it in the trauma of your life. You learned it because somebody hurt you. It now made you nasty. And now you want to carry that into the kingdom. So you want to take your cussing, lying, cheating, nasty attitude and say, God, just let me drag that with me. And God is saying, really what I want you to do is to know who you are when I made you. When you had no insecurities, no fear, no doubt that you only heard from me and you immediately went into worship. Most of us are not there because most of us want God to keep us where we want to be. So when we lie, we say, oops, God knows my heart. When we have indecisiveness and insecurities, we want to say, God, I'm saved, but I ain't perfect. But God says he's able to keep you from Y'all know your Bible. Keep you from falling. You choose to carry the mess with you. I want to show you why I think that's very dangerous. What date did you give yourself? When you, get sa when you got saved, what date did you tell God to go back to? All of us have a date. Because there, you know, there, there's, <laughs> come on, y'all. There's certain things you liked about you when you weren't saved. You didn't like everything about you, but there's certain things you really liked about you. Like, I ain't let nobody take advantage of me. Like, somebody said something to me, I'll still catch, I'll still give you a little piece of my mind. Drag that over. So there's a date stamp that each one of us have when we've given God that date stamp. I want to I wanted help you to understand why I think that's dangerous. And why, if you claim to know yourself, and you're still dragging doubt, fear, insecurities, nasty attitudes, cussing a spirit. Can I suggest to you, you have not let God, let God take you back far enough.
perfect love cast out what? So if I fear, I'm fearing because I have not let God take me back to the beginning of when he made me when I did not have any fear. Jacob, the Bible says, was destined for greatness. From the moment that Jacob was born, God says he had greatness. God had already destined Jacob for greatness, even though Jacob didn't know it. A country right now is named after Jacob. There is no country named after Abraham, named after Moses, named after Isaac, but there's a country named after Jacob. When you talk to a Jewish person to this day, they tell you that they are a part of the, of the children of this man. They don't say that they're children of Abraham. They, they note that who they are, they are a part of the 12 tribes of this man. And yet, brothers and sisters, this man who was destined for greatness lived his life, the first half of his life, unaware of who he was. And he struggled to try to gain clarity. He never really realized where he was. And so he lived unaware. The Bible says that in, in, your, in our text that Jacob was left alone and there he wrestled with the man till the daybreak. Since this morning, I'd like to introduce you to a wrestling match I'd like for you to participate in. I'd like for you to wrestle with the person that you are now and the person that God wants you to be. I'd like for you to, to consider getting in the ring with the two of you. The person that you are now, faking that you are walking in God's grace, and the true one that will absolutely tear up anything that's in your past for God's sake. Let me, let me ask anybody, Robert, have you ever come to the house of God and you felt the spirit of the Lord and you, you knew that God was telling you that you need to shout? Come on, y'all, y'all got catch this out. Like, like, like it hits you, like, oh my God, that's it, that's it, God, that's what. And you know God's saying, go run around a church. And you go like, I can do that. I, I, I can do that. What is the struggle that you're dealing with right now that God is trying to tell you this? And you are saying, but I can't do that. I want to invite you, brothers and sisters, to a wrestling match between the person that you are now and the person that God really wants you to be. <laughs> the Bible says that Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me because we want to be blessed and stay how we are. We, we come to God because we want blessings. 
not because we want to change. He says, I won't let you go till there is a blessing because I have, I have enough sense to understand while I'm, while I'm dealing with this struggle that, that only God can bless me. The, 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 the angelic voice came back and asked Jacob a question. You, you want a blessing? You want me to really restore your life? Tell me your name. Tell me who you think you are. Because your blessing is linked into who you say you are. The true fundamental blessing that God wants to give us is not cars, houses, and land. It is the definition and the identity that he's put into our lives and says, now you can do anything. You can speak to the mountain and let it be removed and it be cast in the sea. And if you doubt not in your heart, it shall be done what you say. That's what God wants to give us. He wants to give us his identity back. And so what God is asking us, brothers and sisters, this morning is, what is your name? What do you go by? What are the things that, are, that you claim are you? What is your self-awareness meter? He says, my name is Jacob. In other words, he's saying, I am what my daddy called me. I am what my, 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 nurt my nurturing says I am. You know the story. Isaac named him Jacob, saying he was going to be a con man. That's what Jacob means, trickster, con man, street savvy, common sense. I know the streets. I know to make it out here in these streets. That's what y'all proud of. You still yelling out, I'm Jacob. You know who I am. You know how I handle my business. I'm Jacob. And God is telling you, you can't get to the place where I want you to go carrying around the Jacob label. I know I messed somebody up right now. The Jacob label that you're trying to carry into the kingdom will not work. The wrestling is not for a car. The wrestling is not for a house. The wrestling is not for a husband or a wife. The wrestling is not for a business. The wrestling that God wants you to get into, the habit of, is the wrestling with your old self. That you're trying to take through the kingdom and fake like it's still godly. says my name is Jacob my father tagged me as Jacob I'm the con man I'm the slickster I'm the cool one I don't want to got myself all together I'm handling my business y'all little fake church people y'all know nothing I know what it's like out here in these streets that's what he's telling God This wrestling match that Jacob is going through with this angel is, is indicative of the first wrestling match that he started in his birth. You see, your wrestling that I'm talking about now is not the first time you've had to wrestle. Your first wrestling was done when you first came out of the womb. 
Because you see, what happened was Jacob, the Bible says, God loved, but when he came out the womb, everybody saw him as the second, the castaway, the leftover, the not enough. And, and, so, and so what you had to deal with all your, your life, brothers and sisters, is you, you, when we were kids, remember when people used to ask us what we wanted to do when we were kids? I want to be an astronaut. I want to play in the NBA. We had these big lofty dreams until somebody shattered them. So I said, you ain't but five foot two. You ain't never going to make it to the NBA. You ain't never going to be no astronaut. So you start to take on the, the, the mode, I'm just not good in math. Who told you that? A teacher shared with you that because you learn differently, that you start to carry labels of what you were good and what you were not good at. So you started to take the definition of the world defining you as to who you are. And don't, don't lie to me because you start making decisions. You start compromising, right, taking low from people who, who decided to tell you that you weren't all that. H how many of us have compromised our integrity, our values, the things that we say we would never do? But, but because we now think lowly of ourselves, we like, well, you ain't got to marry me. Just call me your boo. You can have all of me for a hot dog and a Slurpee because you can get lowered down to a point, brothers and sisters, that you no longer think of yourself as high. You, you stop having values and stop looking at yourself as kings and queens. And people can bring you all the way down that you just start taking leftovers from people and convincing yourself that that's love. But you know better. That's the wrestling match. I ain't gonna get nobody better than him. Well, at least he don't hit me, Marlon. So we, we start to take in that wrestling match, brothers and sisters. Now, God is telling me to tell you today. God is now asking. This is what salvation really is. Look it up. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, for those of you who don't understand. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7 is a, is a book about marriage. And he says that, that a woman is tied to her husband as long as he lives, right? Most of us have always assumed that, that, that all that's talking about is, is marriage. That's not what, what Paul is talking about. Paul is trying to refer to us as it relates to Christ. And he says that when, you, when Adam sinned, what happened was you got hooked into covenant with the devil. The Satan now became your covenant partner. You did not become Satan. You became connected to Satan so fat, so close that you became one with him. When Jesus 
died on the cross, what he then did was break that covenant between you and Satan, allowing you to get married again. Here's my point. You cannot divorce Satan. Divorce is not really a God-heaven thing. God said he gave divorce to us because of the hardness of our heart. It's an earthly thing. It doesn't work for heavenly things. You can't decide to divorce Satan. Somebody's got to die. The only way for you to really get divorced, get, get freed up from Satan, is that somebody's got to die. When somebody dies, you're now free to marry whoever you want. But as long as you try to stay living, you still get connected to your old boo. And now you try to live with God on Sunday from 11 to 1, but then you go back to your boo from Friday night to Saturday night because you have nobody's died. But when you die, now you are free to then get connected back to whoever you want to. And God is saying, brothers and sisters, what salvation really did was it allowed you to see death. And allowed the old man that was in the Garden of, of Eden to live again. That's what redemption is. It is to buy back the man that was in the Garden of Eden. That's why the apostle. The apostolic gets it, they get it wrong. They, they say you have to speak in tongues to be saved. What they're really trying to say is, what, what they don't know, but what they're really trying to say, every last one of us had a tongue in us before we ever came to the earth. It was a heavenly language that is, is inside of each one of us, and all it needs to do is to get kicked out. Because you won't be speaking uh, English in heaven. Languages were given to confound us on earth. All of us will be speaking the same language in heaven. It will be the heavenly language that is already inside of you. It has been inside of you from the Garden of Eden. And when you get saved, God allows that language to get rebirthed in your life. And you remember what you used to talk to God about in the Garden of Eden. Now, my brothers and sisters, here is where God wants us to go. God wants to assume our naming rights. So he tells Jacob, you will no longer be called Jacob. No longer will you be called Jacob. Now you will be called Israel because you have taking the toll to go through the wrestling match with me and with people. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is, and that he's in the water with them, of them that diligently seek him. I'm, I'm going to leave you with these three things. My, my goal for you is to look for the opportunity to tell God God, I'm not trying to drag my old personality into my new world. I, I need for that to be cut off of me. All of my insecurities, all of my abandonment issues, all of those issues, 
All of those things that you're dragging into your new life. God is saying, I want to give you new names. He gave Jacob Israel. And you Bible study, you Bible students know this. That people always try to call Israel Jacob later. Look through the rest of the scriptures. When God changed Abram's name to Abraham, they just called him Abraham for the rest of his life. But Jacob, people always want to bring it back. Don't y'all know that when, 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 you, when you get saved, you go back to your, they go and call you Pookie. Don't act like you brand new Pookie. And you too ashamed to tell them, no, don't call me Pookie no more. That's not my name. God wants to reset you back to factory settings where he can get the glory and you can reflect his story 100%. <laughs> so here's, here's the three things I'm going to tell you how you know when you're self-aware. Write this down because this is going to help you. Three things happen when you, when you become self-aware, when you really come to understand who you really are. Number one, you, you think big thoughts. Say that with me, big thoughts. Say that with me, big thoughts. They call it megacognition. You, you, you stop thinking about little teeny stuff. You stop uh, sweating over small things. I stop worrying about whether or not people are talking about me. That's small stuff. My thoughts are big. Start thinking on a mega stick scale. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has in store for him. You start thinking like that. Number two, you enjoy the process when you, when you know, when you're self-aware. You, you don't come to God every time a problem comes in your life. You're like, God, I'm going through a storm every time this person speaks to me at church. You, you enjoy the process because you understand that they're on the other side. God is not just doing something for your bank account. God is doing something in you. How many going through something right now you don't like? Come on, raise your hands. Like, you going through something, you, you just don't like it right now. It's just like, make, it's like I, God, my prayer has always been, get me out. What I want you to do is change your prayer. Say, God, thank you for it. Because if you put me through it, there's something you're trying to get me to get out of it. Lastly, <laughs> whenever you're self-aware, you feed what feeds you. you. You come to understand that nobody in the world is going to keep you out of coming to church. Because you're going to always say, I'm going to feed what feeds me. Nobody has to tell you to pay your tithes because you feed what feeds you. When you're fully self-aware, you don't need nobody to tell you, I need to get on the prayer call on Sunday night. Oh, reminded me, see, oh, nobody told me, oh, I forgot. You are, you're unaware. When you're self-aware, you're waiting on the prayer call for the person who's going to pray that night. Because you come to understand, I got to feed that which feeds me. So I enter into his gates with Thanksgiving crystals. I enter into his course with praise. I'd be thankful. I'm waiting for them to open up the door. I'm not coming here late. I'm coming here before everybody because I'm fully aware I got to feed what feeds me. 
Everybody saying it. Next week, I'm going to tell you, it's going to get worse next week. I'm going to tell you that right now. Next week, I'm going to show you how to be aware of others. How you are calling people your friends who are actually your enemies. And you are calling people your enemies who are actually your friends. People who are letting you get away with stuff, and they say, girl, don't worry about it. Everything going to be all right. And you like, girl, you was, you was there for me. Like, no, they're not your friend because they don't know who you are. I told y'all years ago, uh, uh, church, whenever somebody says that they're disappointed in you, they're giving you a compliment. You don't like to hear it, but disappointing, somebody says they're disappointing me, mean they had you up here and you didn't meet their expectations. So I was like, well, ain't nobody perfect. They holding you down here. They think this way about you. So I'm gonna show you how to how to how to be aware about it. Let's pray. Come on, teacher. I, I wanna I wanna I wanna grab us, church, by the horns and recognize that God is doing is eligible to do amazing things in our midst. And if we are ready to see God's glory revealed, he's going to take us to higher heights and to deeper depths in him. And I believe with all my heart that the sin that used to hold you back last year should not be the same sin that holds you back this year. Come on, somebody. That, that, that I should not be telling God, I, wanna, I want you to uh, take care of me and my sin. No, I, I understand that the sin is the weight that's holding me back. It's not my friend. Not say amen. Come on, church.